All right. We're in. Hello. Hello there. Hi. We made it back. We're here. We're back. Welcome to Objection to the Rule live on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Emily, here in studio with Teresa. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. It's the last day of June. It's fucking hot. Pardon my language. Um, <laughs> but it's if my grandpa's we listening. Be happy. <laughs> happy World Pride, everybody. And it's at least it's cooler today than it was yesterday. At exactly. least a teeny bit. Nice little breeze blowing. A little bit. Slight breeze. <laughs> um I can breathe outside a little bit. Um so all right. This week we'll talk Pride March, an end to religious exemptions for vaccines, democratic debates, and protests in Madrid. All right, let's get started with some local news. All right, let's do it. Go for it. All right. So The City Council's Committee on Criminal Justice has approved a series of bills to help protect transgender, intersex, and gender nonconforming or non-binary people in custody. The bills cover a range of issues, including guaranteeing equitable access to mental health services. According to the Office of Councilwoman Helen Rosenthal, transgender people in the prison system are more frequently put in solitary or isolated settings and often struggle to access health care and suffer disproportionately, disproportionately high rates of sexual abuse. Um, some of that research I got from AMNY, uh, by the way. Um, all right. So this is some heavy stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but important. It's really important, um, not just during Pride Month, but always to like remember um, that there are lots of vulnerable populations exactly. that uh, we need to watch out for. Um, so... What, what's interesting about this specifically, I think, oh, well, there's a lot of interesting things about it, but um, we're talking about a vulnerable population in a place that seems to me to be almost inherently violent uh, or dangerous, which is our prison systems in this country. Um, do we think these bills will be able to enact real positive change in an environment that really doesn't seem built for positive change <laughs> yeah, i understand that yeah i really hope so yeah you know because the reality is there um all of the prison population is really affected by each other mm-hmm. i think yeah. and then, then the whole isolation part and the people who have to go through uh, the solitary confinement it's almost like you don't know what happens down there mm-hmm. uh, they, they don't even know what happens down there and In i know solitary. we've seen yeah I know we've seen um, it trivialized a lot in recent films and different things mm-hmm. like that about the experience of people who survived that. Mm-hmm. So I certainly hope that this at least uh, puts something in play, whether it causes them to have additional training mm-hmm. or just yeah. consideration of the time that people spend mm-hmm. um, in those areas. I think that would be good. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of those tricky things where um, my understanding and I'm, I'm not an expert by any means is that a lot of the times. Um, people who are more vulnerable to violence will will sell will play will volunteer to go to solitary right mm-hmm. because it, it it's safer um, in some ways but also um, from what we know like from research over the last 50 100 years is that it, it can be very dangerous for you mentally to be alone alone for that yeah. long of a time without any sort of stimulation um, cause mental breakdowns it, it's, it's 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 really sad it's a catch twenty two, I guess, if that's the right use. Yeah, of that. and sometimes yeah. people go; they choose to go into solitary to yeah. avoid violence from others. Right, you know, exactly. They go from different uh, locations and different places. Mm-hmm. People travel. There's different gang violence. Mm-hmm. Just overall, people just not knowing each other, not yeah. having an opportunity to connect. They normally uh, connect over beef. Unfortunately, yeah, they just travel. So um, while I'm not sure how much they can do to enforce these things, because that seems to be mostly the problem yeah. um, within prisons, the enforcement right. of the right. laws and by the people who are actually doing the job. And that's that's a big thing is that like the it's great that we have 
that that people are paying attention, right? That's the first step towards any real change. Not only people, but legislators that yes. are saying this needs to happen. Um, but of course, there's always the question of whether it'll actually be enforced exactly in an environment where, uh, you know, it, it's up to guards and it's up to wardens to actually pay attention and make sure these things happen. And they, um, but they have to care. First, yeah. they have to care, first they, of all. They have to care to not only protect themselves yeah. either, yes. you know, yeah. which is a big part of it. A lot yeah. of sometimes the trouble that, you know, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, from family members and people that I know that's been through the system, mm-hmm. a lot of times the people have been there for a really long time in those mm-hmm. places and those positions. Yeah. And they have their, you know, their repeat offense. Yeah. They're, they do things like this often. They have, you know, long track records of um, just unfair behavior, yeah. unfair policy. And, and they, they're looking out. It's um they're looking out for their own, their exactly. jobs. And if they don't, if, you know, if they think that. It, they're not going to get caught by not, and you know, if it's extra work and they don't think it's really, imp- they need to, then like. No one's above the law. Yeah. Yeah. Even when yeah. you're, even well, when you're there to punish those who already yeah. broke it. You know? Yeah. I hope, I mean, yes, they're not, but a lot of times they think they are. Exactly. <laughs> Especially. Yeah. Such um, a tough situation. It is. It really is. And um, so the, these bills on, um, to help transgender people in custody um, come about a month after the death of Laylene Polanco, a transgender woman who was found dead in her cell on Rikers Island. She had spent nine days in solitary confinement after being arrested on misdemeanor charges and unable, unable to pay bail. Mm. Bail. Oh, pardon me. Um, so this is terribly sad. And uh, what seems to me to be a far too common story um, mm-hmm. where, you know, people end up in really horrendous conditions because they don't have the money yeah. to pay to get out. And bail reform is, is something that a bunch of people are talking about in this in this, you know, in this current environment where we're talking about prison reforms a lot. Um, and this particular story, I, I feel like Polanco crosses over, like, I think what, from what I read, the, the passage of these bills, um, a, a lot, like the momentum was kind of built over around this death. Um, mm. and I think it, this, it also crosses into the issue of bail reform exactly. as well, which wasn't really addressed in in that way, but, um, still important to talk about, right? If she had had the $500 to get out, she wouldn't have had Never to be in that situation. Yeah. Well, as you know, that's actually how I ended up on this show. Um, oh, I, came I didn't into, know that, <laughs> Yeah, I came to talk about a social justice project that I work on um, with a, a group of people that I work with at my church called Impact. We did a um, $5 for Freedom bailout campaign during Christmas with our church, and we proposed each member to donate $5. Uh, as a as an institution, we uh, the church would match whatever the church donated, and we donated the money to Brooklyn Bail Bonds, which is wow. an organization um, that works to get people out on bail Amazing. who have not been accused of a crime or anything like that. So a right. lot of times, people end up in really bad situations because they can't afford it. Right? Um, yeah, they, they haven't been. Um, well, I guess they are. They're there because they've been accused, but not because they've there are no convictions at exactly. this point. They're just awaiting a trial. They just can't afford to get right. out, there. and most of the time, they can't aff- afford. You know. Um, proper law enforcement to right. help them out. So a lot of times they end up lost in the system and yeah. end up with other violations based on their safety yeah. or things like that. So, you know, this is a huge problem. Yeah. Prisons um, are scary. They're, they can be very scary places if you're not in a position to, if you're vulnerable. A vulnerable exactly. Person uh, this happened to my nephew mm. um, not too long ago. It was like 800 and something dollars. It was near the first of the month and my brother and his wife, they couldn't afford it. It mm-hmm. was right before Christmas time. So we ended up spending like 35 to 40 days wow. in prison and he's under 21 and he has Ugh. a mental health condition. Oh God. So this yeah. story really hits close yeah. to home for me. Um, I think bail reform is something that we should hopefully see um, in the coming yeah. um, political climate as a serious thing that people yeah. are addressing. Cause it's one thing to, 
see that there are changes being made on the mm-hmm. front uh, for social justice issues that we've been fighting for so long. But this is something that like never dies yeah. at all. And yeah. I think it affects more people than it doesn't. And yeah. people don't realize that until they go through something. Well, it's one of those things where it, this is like the high, this is like the pinnacle of you. If you have money, you won't, exactly. you're fine. Like this is how else, right. <laughs> how else can you look at this except as an issue of who has the money to not be in jail? Yeah. Right. And what is the system? How do they tell you how much? Bail? Right. And, and it's you supposed know? to be affordable, like an annoying, like hard, but affordable. Right. But it's right. clearly not like there are people that can't pay $500. There are people that can pay $20,000 to get out and there are people that can't pay much smaller amounts. Yeah. So I definitely think this is um, some necessary legislation. I hope that it spills into other talks mm-hmm. of this to, you know, to address all communities. But by far, this community is really, really yeah. affected by this. And I hate that somebody had to lose their life yeah. um, for someone to really take this serious. I yeah. just hope that they keep moving in the same direction. Yeah. And enforce policies that they come up with. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, moving on to another issue um so this is something we talked about when it was first making headlines a few months ago on the show um the measles outbreak yes um so it the state has officially repealed uh, a religious exemption that allowed parents to opt out of vaccinating their children uh becoming only the sixth state uh in the union that does not allow for religious exemptions Mm -hmm. um so as of earlier this month, there have been over 437 cases of the measles in the Williamsburg area of Brooklyn alone. Mm. Um, so this is something we talked about. And yeah. I we talked about how religious, ex- yeah, religious exemption, exemptions seemed dangerous in this scenario. And looks like people agreed uh, or yeah. like the, the lawmakers agreed. Um, but of course, you know, I was reading about the um, I think it was an open forum. Like there was members of the public there during the vote. And okay. it was very like like the people who were against um, repealing the religious exemption were like very, it was like a very emotional thing for them. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of attacks on the repeal as on attacks on religious freedom, constitutional freedom um, and like personal bodily autonomy. Um, But like, how do we, how do we feel about that in an emergency, you know, a health public health emergency climate? I mean, honestly, I was hoping that, Something was done. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I live in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I check the same highways and byways. By all means, I understand why people, um, their religion. You know, I'm a religious person myself, and I understand that they want to have, um, keep their autonomy and keep stay close in their faith. But when it's a public health outbreak, I don't know. I yeah. think that there should be more talks um, amongst their community about this. Mm-hmm. While it may not be something that can be an overarching change, maybe it could be a conscious change that each person in the community can make on their own. Mm-hmm. And you may be able to see some difference, maybe not um, in such a direct way where it's like, you know, well, this is the law now, but just them making their own conscious decisions to do it for that purpose. So like, so trying for them to take religion out of it and just think about yeah. other issues involved. But yeah. just also having that dialogue, that open forum within their own communities mm-hmm. about it, because well, yeah, it should be a case by case basis, I think. Oh, interesting. So in terms of religious being able to opt out. Yeah, I mean, I still I still agree mm-hmm. that you should be able to do it. But in the yeah. same context, I don't know. I just feel like if if I was a person that was affected, I may make a decision for mm-hmm. the greater good of my child's school, you know, right. in the community that I belong into. Um, but, you know, having being forced to do it, being forced to abide by it, I think it's really yeah. tough to even put that on anyone. Yeah. And, I, and we talked about this a few months ago, but, um, you know, the community that this Really, the religious community that this is talking about is the Jewish community, the yeah. Hasidic Jewish community in Williamsburg. Um, and there's other communities involved, obviously, but that's like the a big one mm-hmm. that's in the headlines. And 
there was a lot of invocations um, from that community that were against mandatory vaccines of like, you know, the Nuremberg laws and yes. the Holocaust and just like forced um, anything on a person's individual body, which is really like a very emotional. That's a lot. Right. Yeah. And I and, um, you know, for anybody, that's a lot. And like for me, too, like I'm Jewish and like have that Eastern European history. And it's it's it definitely brings up a lot of concerns. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and. You know, it's one of those things, though, where for me personally, um, I think that in a public health emergency, like you got to get back. Like I, so I, you're I saying what I'm you're agreeing with what I'm saying. I, I if you had to make a choice. I, I, I put you on the spot. Well, like I'm back. Oh, yeah. No, I might. If I have kids, they're getting vaccinated. Okay. Like, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You're making a conscious. I am choice. making. And I, yeah, of course. And I think that's the tricky point is that I I I think the tricky the sticking point is that um the idea that you don't have a choice on what happens to your body is is a very scary proposition that could be a slippery slope but it's also one of those things where okay this is a public health emergency and you just got to hope that the people in charge don't abuse that that call for a public health emergency this needs to happen right right um you got to hope that this is you know only going to happen when it's truly an emergency that they're going to force something like this on a person exactly um but it's also really important and and you know, there was also that whole open forum thing, too, gets a little sticky because there's a lot of anti-vaccination mm-hmm. people in that in the community, in that community, in a lot of communities out there um, call, saying that, you know, it's, be, you know, it's vaccines are dangerous. Right. Which is which is yeah. scientifically untrue. And it, it's <laughs> like it's it's, you know, just it's it's yeah, it's that whole the climate we live in today where what's what is true. <laughs> It's, right, and, and who so and who scary. is the purveyor of that Ooh, truth? You know? So scary, yeah. Um, it's but a I lot. Think, like just to kind of put a cap on it, you mm-hmm. know, when it when it concerns an entire community of children being affected. Yeah. Um, not to say the children are more important. Well, yes, I am. But yeah. The children are more important, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you know, in a setting like a school where you know these children need to have that institution in their lives, you know, and if they want to keep it in their community. Everybody's got to just kind of play by the rules. Well, like, yeah, I can say safe. You know? And I mean, it's interesting you bring up schools because um, the New York City Health Department actually had to close about 10 different Jewish schools since See? the emergency order in April. Ten. These are like yeah. really public serving institutions. This yeah. is not like, you know, I, th- I mean, they're they're, they're specifically Jew- like Jewish community schools. So I don't know. I guess I don't know if they're public or private, okay. um, but um, I don't. But within I, their community. Right. Exactly. Like sure if, there's within a lot of community. children that go to those schools. Yeah. You know, you said 10, ten schools. That's ten. a lot of them. And, and, you know, they've all reopened or nine at least. And I think there's still a waiting period. They've all reopened with um, monitoring from okay. the government, uh, the health department. Um, but, yeah, they were they didn't follow. They they let students and adults come who didn't have vaccination documents or documentation. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know. It brings up a lot of like what you, you just got to like not watching out for. Yeah. I mean, if you want these institutions the children, to stay, yeah. these cultural institutions, if you will, um, then, you know, they have to have some sort yeah. of uh, formal policy and procedure to deal with issues like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All Ugh. right. All right. I know it just seems so it's dismal. heavy. People. I know. We're trying. We're trying. It's weekend news. Hey, it's heavy. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying a margarita while, while we're telling you these lovely stories. A nice 1 p.m. margarita. Um, <laughs> all right. And last one. Pretty heavy stuff once again. But um, last local news uh, topic for the day. So a vigil for a bike cour- courier who was fatally hit by a truck in Manhattan earlier this week turned to a, into a small but somewhat violent protest against unsafe biking conditions in the city. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, reports indicate that about a dozen attendees on bikes beat on cars and tried to attack drivers with sticks. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, there were no injuries, but police are investigating further. Um, so the bike courier was Robin Heitman, and mm-hmm. she was the 11th cyclist to be killed by a vehicle this year, already surpassing the total number of cyclist deaths in 2018. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's really sad. And um, some are calling this a crisis. Um and I guess, like, you know, do we think the city is is doing enough to protect bikers, well, cyclists? I mean, I'm not sure, yeah. honestly. Like, when they, I noticed that, um, I, I work in Chelsea, and I noticed the other day that they had repaved the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, earlier this year, they had created the street with the new bike lanes. And it mm-hmm. seemed like it was really affecting the traffic, and it yeah. was always backed up. So in the repavement, there's nothing there. So mm-hmm. it goes for one block. And then the next block, it stops. And oh. It didn't continue again, I think. It's they a, didn't re- like repaint the 23rd bike lane. Street, yeah. like when you approach that major yeah. intersection. So I'm not exactly sure what's happening. Because yeah. it seems like when they did that huge project, um, it definitely was making a full lane so that yeah. they can have a little bit more. But I don't I don't see signs. Yeah. I don't see, yeah. you know, um, other things like that. And you and very rarely do you hear about anything. Once again, until something bad happens. Right. But let's let's talk about these people um, beating up on yeah. people because of, they're upset about this. Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother. It's an aggressive take on it. And um, so I I used to commute by bike a lot. Um, mm-hmm. when I had an, an office job where I was sitting a lot, I would commute by bike. And I I it's it was funny because I, I mean it's funny for me. It's not funny in light of angry cyclists. But um, <laughs> I I get, I'm a very nervous not nervous. I'm a, I'm as a car driver. I'm like extremely cautious. I'm yeah. always like. If anything goes wrong, it's my fault. It's, you know, I, this is a huge responsibility, but when I'm on a bike, I'm looking out for everybody else, but it's also like, I, I get like bike rate. I mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I get road rage in a way that I see other people get road rage in a car where it's like, it's like, get out of my way. And like, and, um, and I, it's been a couple years, it's been a year or so since I biked regularly, but I, I understand the anger. Cause there are a lot of times where, um, I mean, there's this great, like an example, there's a great um, blog or there was one I found online a few years ago called cops parked in the bike lane. And it's just photos of cops parked in a bike lane, right? Where it's, it's this, we have, it's just a lack of enforcement by the people who should be enforcing it. Where like, like the bike lane is not, is not a place for cars to park or stall. It's an active lane of traffic. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I, it was always, there was always, you know, I mean, garbage trucks, I think they, I don't know if they have right away in that scenario, but there was always some sort of truck or car or pedestrians walking in the bike lane and it can create dangerous situations where it forces bikers to move into other lanes of active traffic with vehicles. Um, and it can be pretty dangerous sometimes. I just, I mean, I feel like that they're, they're acknowledging it, but I don't really think they're doing much to protect Mm -hmm. or even to tell us what's happening. Right. Like that change. Well, lack of enforcement. Not to say that I'm like watching the street traffic, like app update all the time right, <laughs> right. but yeah. within that whole neighborhood that i'm in frequently yeah i'm not exactly sure what they did and yeah. why they eliminated it so if i was a person that biked in that area i'd be a little confused yeah. where does it start what does it stop um and then for you know it's a really busy area of town mm-hmm. so the traffic doesn't know the difference whether or not yeah the bike lanes are on that street unless there's actual signage or something that says you know they used to have those things with the overpass with the messages mm-hmm. once they make yeah. changes at least put something out there let people know you know, put a PSA on the buses. I yeah. don't know. Something. Yeah. As, bi- MTA, anything. as biking gets more and more popular, um, you know, as like in terms of, you know, there's environmental concerns and there's personal health concerns and there's just ease where sometimes there's less traffic. If you bike, yeah. there's a lot more people, you know, like biking more and more. And there are organizations like uh, Bike NYC, I think is one, but who are like dedicated to, you know, educating the public on biking. But um, 
it's one of those yeah it's just not taken as seriously as, as it should be as it should be as driving is in terms of just notif- notification and I mean, also it, when I was first starting to commute by bike, um, it, it, all these things started occurring to me because it was like, you know, to drive a car, you need a whole sl- slew of licensing and, you know, you, you have to know, you have to know what it all means. Exactly. But to get on a bike, you don't, there's no one making sure that you know all the rules right? of the road What's when the you're regulation? on a bike. There's a lot of little rules that you don't know about. I would imagine, I, I cannot even begin to think about biking industry like I'm a total yeah. punk about that I was, was always um, so I just had no fear and it's probably pretty dangerous it's it like so it's dangerous. very dangerous I mean clearly people people die cycling and I I yeah and it's just, a lot of people who just don't think it's that dangerous but I even as a walker right yeah a straight pedestrian I have almost been hit by a bike a yeah. few times so I'm not sure if the people who are taking bikes are as conscientious of either, you mm-hmm. know, about yeah. like just the rules of the road. Yeah. Um, because if you could just be crossing the street and with confusion where the bike lane is, be yeah. standing in a bike lane and get well, there, yeah, and know, I, knocked over by accident. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where, you know, I don't know the specific scenarios of, of this death that happened earlier this week. But there are times where you're in the bike lane is on going to be on one side of the road, but you mm-hmm. have to you have to turn all the way to the other side. Right. Yeah. And then or like or there's something where you have to cross cross an active lane of traffic to get where you need to go and it, it becomes scary and dangerous and those are my least favorite yeah parts and there that's it yeah it's it's an imperfect system um and you i guess we just got to hope that i don't know i feel like they need a specific like a governmental commission on bike and cycling and really analyze the At safety issues the involved yeah where you know we're um, so densely populated exactly. yeah i mean there's there's should be just overall more conversations about this and just mm-hmm. you know more notification to the people that are affected by these sort of yeah. uh, changes that they make all right, all right. well not too negative <laughs> yeah. this last one oh, uh, but a little no. something concerning oh pretty i don't know death is pretty it's all pretty sad well as usual we have a lot going in the city a lot to watch out for we're going to take a quick music break and then we'll hear some national news stay all tuned right.
And we're back. Yeah, that was um, A Little Respect by Erasure. Um, some music picked out specifically for World Pride theme today. Um, one of my favorite songs. Um, but yeah, welcome <laughs> back to Objections to the Rule, live from Radio Free Brooklyn. Once again, this is Emily here with Teresa. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Hey. All right. Uh, so let's get into this national let's news. Let's do it. All right. We're talking debates, people. Is it really that time? It's, it feels too early. Right? <laughs> we were just talking about that. Like, oh my God, we're going to be talking about this for a year and a half. I just, and it's, uh, <laughs> a little I daunting. don't want to. So, all right. Well, let's just get to the news, right? So Wednesday and Thursday night, we kicked off the Democratic primary race in earnest with the first round of debates. A somewhat frustratingly crowded pool of candidates was split up into two nights in which we saw a few clear winners and some distinct losers. These debates were in the opportunity were an opportunity for front runners to expand on their platforms as well as for lesser known candidates to make themselves known. The debates also served as a test to see who has enough fight in them, not just to outmaneuver their Democratic colleagues, but who can take on the likes of the likely Republican nominee, President Donald Trump. All right, people. So what were some of the big surprises of these debates? Well, um, <laughs> people, I, I mean, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about surprises so much, but, um, you know, it seems like the, a, there's a pretty good consensus that um, the, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris from the two different nights, like, yeah. were, were standouts, which yeah. is pretty exciting to have female standouts. Wouldn't that be a cool ticket? Yeah. I was thinking that to myself. Ooh, like, you were just going to back down, though, and take the VP. What do you think? I don't know. Uh, it's too early. I like, right? I, I really, and I know I have a lot of friends who are um, already head like head first into it, right? Yeah. Who care a lot. And I care. Don't get me wrong. I care. It's just but, too like, early to care. It's, it's, summer. it's just, yeah, I just like, why can't we be a European country in this whole cycle of six weeks? Like, what is, it's, it's just, just too it takes much. much. It takes a lot out of us. It's, a, it's, and it's just like, you know, 2016 almost killed me. Like, I, <laughs> no, almost, we're like, it's Sunday. Psychologically. It's we just want to drink margaritas. Yeah. Not think about this shit just, yet. But we're going to so talk about long. it to yeah. at least, you know. I mean, obviously. Well, we have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, and of course, you know, then there's, then there's like Biden who is, considered a front like who was went into it considered a front runner just of his position and experience and yeah. previous positions and he was on defense most of the time which he didn't is really show up too much for these I, debates it seems it's like. kind of like it's to be expected though right like as the front writer he's the one that or like quote unquote front writer yeah or it's it, you know it's and it's you know the in, what's the word like institutional front runner like yeah. the person who would be is the favorite in terms of um, the institution, the institution, right? <laughs> that, that, the powers that be. And, you know, I, you know, we've talked about Biden and like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not anti-Biden by any means, but it's just like, I don't know, it's too early. I know. Right. I mean, I do like the fact that we are getting to hear from, um, you know, some clear messages. I think right now we're all in a bit of chaos trying to see yeah. who's doing what and who's, you know, who's new plan and who wants to say this and who's pulling up stuff from the back. Um, but I do, I did enjoy some of the commentary. Um, that was had. And I do like the fact that we are in anticipation to yeah. see if those that did not do as well um, can redeem themselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was also it's we, there. Everyone's getting pushed farther and farther left, um, which is it's which I, I, you know, in terms of the issues they're talking about is good. But then it's also, of course. Is it is it a preaching to the choir scenario? And do we is, are they going to build? Is there enough momentum in, in the entire country to rally behind some, you know, very it's 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 that. And then again, to the the political, right? Yeah. Where it's like, is it is it, quote unquote, too dangerous to be so far left in terms of being able to win an election nationally? Yeah. 
And that, you know, that's anxiety inducing where it's like, okay, I'm hearing these things I really, I want and I want to hear. But, you know, is it going to alienate too many people uh, on a larger scale? I think it's just overall a lot of confusion right now. You know, (laughs) a lot of of confusion, a lot of fear. Um, I definitely think that if I was in one of those seats, I would definitely take these earlier moments. They said that Cory Booker also did a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, really. New Jersey. Yeah. And I like him. You know, I like his attitude towards just being a person who gets shit done. Yeah. You know, he has that sort of energy and drive. Um, so I think there's more to come. Yeah. I definitely hope that we get to hear from some of the favorites that we hear a lot of news about, but may not hear as much um, on the way of their policies or where they stand. Mm-hmm. We'll be definitely looking forward to the next one that's going to be a mission coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. So Michigan, sorry. <laughs> mission, just Michigan. No, just making up places. <laughs> just is out there somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> cool, Check cool, back cool, into cool. us when we have time to think about these things. Perfect. All right. All right. So happy Pride Day, guys. Woohoo, World Pride. Yes. Are you planning any festivities this evening? Well, I have to work. Um oh. so no, but maybe you make some money though. Yeah, maybe or you know. I don't know. Maybe I'll stop <laughs> something on the way to work. We'll see. Yeah, I okay. wish. Yeah. How about yeah. you? Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna end up in something. I don't know. I for some reason I thought I was going to the pool, but now it's like all windy. So Oh yeah. I'm just really like fearful of the city right now. I don't want to be around the crowd. Yeah. No, I like I'm, I've I been get in big it since crowd Friday. Inside. I'm like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Today's the actual day. But I definitely do think it's important to it's take a, part in the yeah. festivities. It's a historical day. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe I'll just take one of those trains and exit stage left. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to tell them about the march? Sure. Um, all right. The Queer Liberation March. So um, today, New York City is the host to the biggest pride parade in the country and the world. Hmm. Uh, rumored to have brought in more than four million people from out of town. The increasingly corporate event is losing support in a large swath of the LGBTQIA plus community to an upstart organization effort calling itself the Queer Liberation March. In an effort to recenter the political struggles that ignited the Stonewall Rebellion 50 years ago and that have fueled gay, lesbian, trans, and queer, etc. movements since, organizers created the Queer Liberation March to celebrate our communities and history in solidarity with other oppressed groups and to demand social and economic justice worldwide. Um, and we marched for liberation. And that was a quote from the um, the march organizers themselves. Okay. Um, the prize will march in opposite directions with the former ending at the Stonewall Inn and the latter beginning there to retrace the route of the original 1969 uprising. Wow. So, yeah, it's getting kind of heated in the community. It's interesting about the yeah. split, you know, but a lot of uh, most social movements do have like a split that comes along the way, mm-hmm. like the women's movement, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so this is a natural, even in the... Um, you know, in the um, during the 60s, there was lots of groups that started mm-hmm. together and then split into their respective communities. So yeah. this is a normal, normal yeah. thing to happen. Yeah, I think yeah. it's interesting that they're at least they respect the route like one's going mm-hmm. in one yeah, direction. Yeah, that they're not trying the to outshout each other. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. maybe it'll get people to, you know, uh, opportunity to like meet and unite. Maybe. I mean, um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of I mean, a lot of crossover to some degree, hopefully. Um, I mean, I you know, every I, everyone ostensibly is there were similar goals mm-hmm. um and then i think it's it's just the way of a disagreement over the way to get there to, which to, is yeah. how those movements splinter right exactly it's all yeah. about the process it's all most, about the process Yeah, most yeah. of the time everybody's really aiming after the same thing but the way that you go about doing right. it which you know this new group the uh qu- the queer liberation queer liberation march, march yeah. they seem to be very political yeah um which is important especially right mm-hmm. now not like it hasn't been before but i think we're starting to see a lot more politicians um mm-hmm. show 
their true colors, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. um, on these issues and at least come even come forward. Some of them yeah. um, are making big strides with that. So that's yeah. a great thing to know. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, the efforts will push some of these issues to the front of the agenda. Yeah, uh, definitely. We see some movement. We've spoken, you know, just one of them earlier in this, in this show. But uh, it's nice to see that people are still very serious about organizing. Yeah, I think that's a really great thing. Right. And yeah. And, uh, you know, the specific issues too here, there's a lot of people that say like the 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 main pride march is um, too corporate. Yeah. And um, that's something that I think corporate, like um, the last two years, I think was something I started hearing. So I, you know, didn't really think too much about it with like Chase Bank handing out like yes. rainbow pens yeah. or whatever a couple years ago. And then the last couple of years, it's been a, on a lot of um, things I've been reading and a lot of people's lips about how like, you know, it, it's don't Almost marketable. To yeah. Rainbow, and it's right? like, don't, this doesn't help LGBT, you know, this yeah. rainbow like piece of crap that you're getting from this corporation isn't actually helping anybody. So just kind of watch out for people using it as an opportunity to make money. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's really interesting because I didn't realize how corporate it was. I think mm-hmm. until this year, Yeah, you know, and I was explaining the movement to some people that were just really asking me about my, my take on it becoming so broad this year, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in New York, each borough does their own. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cities have like small town celebrations of uh, pride, but like to just see it everywhere you turn mm-hmm. for, you know, a month and a half. Yeah. Um, it's almost like exactly what are you saying? Right. And who, are you saying you just like the rainbow or are you saying that your company is actually going to do something right. about this uh, community's actual right. struggle or, you know, their liberation? And that's that's will. the trick. And it's like, you know, it's easy for a company to dress itself in rainbow colors and say, like, oh, like, come to us, you know, this month. Like, we love rainbows. But that's exactly right. But like, there's no it's it's much less spoken about, like what they're actually doing. Yeah in terms of financially who they're funding maybe politically or, and it's, um, or even if they wanted to, you know, for instance, talk a little bit about their diversity and inclusion, right. Yeah. Uh, policies that they've included, just make it, make it something, put a message with yeah. it. Don't just throw a rainbow up there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Corporate America, man. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's awful. I mean, I, I hate seeing it, but I love seeing it. Right. Like, right. Um, right. like it's better. It's better than, um, being anti-rainbow. Right. right? right. And that's, that's not good, but right. it's, it's the next step, right? Yeah. And, and I think in this day and time, we should be beyond just, you know, parading around mm-hmm. rainbows. We should be there. You yeah. Know? I definitely think that uh, companies can do more. Yeah. Um, for the plight. So right on to All it. Right. Let's get with it. Oh, right. <laughs> All right. Are we going to cover I, this last one I here? I think we are. This is an important one here. So you got it? All right. I'm on it. All right. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about the Supreme Court decisions that happened this week. Um, So they handed down two of their first huge decisions since seating uh, Trump's two nominees, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. Um, The court declared the addition of a citizenship citizenship question um, was based in, quote unquote, contrived reasoning that served more as a, quote unquote, distraction than anything else. The decision written by Chief Justice John Roberts stated that the addition of the question would only lower the number of respondents, which would lead to the loss of funding in areas desperately in need of federal support. The other decision may be more impactful in terms of shaping the nature of our democracy has to do with gerrymandering. The court declined to intervene in Republicans' recent efforts to redraw voting districts. Wow. Yeah. California Democrats have already launched a legislative effort to make up for the judicial blow but with the election just over a year away, the decision represents a serious problem for the left. This is awful. Uh, so that one, like, it was like, it felt like a punch in the gut when I got, like, my New York Times alert about the gerrymandering thing. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, it's like a one-two. So the 
the fact that they, you know, aren't said the citizenship question is just a distraction is, is good. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was reading about that, um, you know, they, they're not opposed to the people trying to push the citizenship question coming back with better reasoning. Yeah. So they're not, they're, it wasn't a forever, you can't do this because it's unconstitutional, is that their your reasoning is flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, so go try again. Okay. Um, which is like, oh God, just like let it drop. Just, just like a challenge, right? <laughs> right. Um, and then, the, but the gerrymandering one was, oh, yeah, this one, this one is really tough. I was reading about, um, you know, that the reasoning that the, the, the members of the court who um, said that, you know, gerrymandering, they basically looked at their literally looked at the Constitution and said, it doesn't say anything in the Constitution about gerrymandering. So we can't interfere on this. And it's like, are you kidding me? Well, maybe it wasn't called that back then. Right. Or it's like Elena Kagan who um, wrote or read, or read and or read the, the dissent and said that basically they have failed in their. Um, duty to protect free and fair elections constitutionally yeah. with that. Um, yeah, it sucks and it's scary. Yeah. I mean, it just justifies more bad behavior. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, after all of these years and all of the different things that people went through for mm-hmm. their rights in this country, you would think that this is something that um, the powers that be would consider mm-hmm. just as important, yeah. you know, to themselves and, and what they're supposed to do for us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little scary, but. We shall see. I mean, let's see what these efforts are to maybe deal with these decisions. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if there's going to be an appeal to these decisions, but. I don't think you can appeal a Supreme Court. I don't know. No. I feel like that's. Something's going to I don't know. Done. Well, I think they. What can they do? They said they that. They come up again. I don't right? know. I, I, they uh, said that. We need more information. Well, I think that, yeah, we definitely more information, but they said that. I think they said that um, it's up to states to pass laws. Right. That right, it's not up to right. them to lay down the constitutionality or whatever of this specific issue. But it's like there's lots of states. If the powers that be are the ones that are Running trying to states. make this happen, then who, <laughs> how are they going to pass any laws that help this? I feel like we're in the matrix. It's bad. It's not good. Um, Does this bring up a larger question about votes counting? Like who's whose vote counts? Um, yeah. Yeah. Who's to say? This, yeah. I mean, I, if I, you want to move somewhere, nice. I mean, it definitely brings. <laughs> yeah, it brings up the where question of like for you to you know where it may be harder for you to just be engaged that way. And there are so many communities that are just you know not cities, if you will. Mm-hmm. And those lines are drawn by whom, are kept by who, are managed mm-hmm. by whom. So uh, it's disheartening. Yeah. Um, I hope sucks. our votes still count. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not what we're headed. <laughs> I hate to be okay. We need some music. We can't be so <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. All right. Too hard. All right. So we're gonna play another um, another Pride song coming at you. Yeah. Right people, now. Let's let's just rock out.
That was right. Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. Um, if anyone's interested, there, that's a uh, the song has a really interesting history that it came out. Um, uh, I don't know. It's a very interesting song that has had a, a couple iterations over the years and like has different meanings over time. And like during the okay. AIDS crisis, it had a whole different meaning than the original song did. So wow. it's a very good. It's, I love that song. Um, I'll have to run that back. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you're listening to uh, Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, we are back with some world news, Teresa. Yes. All right. So <clears throat> this story was really interesting to me, um, especially because we don't hear a lot about stories like this. So let's bring it in with this uh, humanitarian migrant boat rescue mm-hmm. thing going on in Italy. So Carolina Ricchetti, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She's a 31 year old German captain of a humanitarian rescue rescue ship, the Sea Watch 3. She was arrested on Saturday after she rammed her vessel into an Italian border police motorboat while docking at the island of Lampedusa on Saturday night. Uh, The captain and her crew rescued 40 migrants after they had spent 17 days at sea in an unsafe vessel launched by a Libyan-based human trafficking organization. Uh, Italy's interior minister, Matteo Salvini, condemned the ship's crew as outlaws and refused to let them disembark until other European countries agreed to take in the refugees. 
Uh, the humanitarian rescue operation ended dramatically when Riquette decided she could no longer wait for permission to dock. And she hmm. docked the boat there, um, stating that she had to based on the unsafe conditions wow. of the people that were there. So she can now face up to 10 years in prison for defying the Italian military order. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So get this. There's get an it, organization. Okay. It's called Sea Watch. Uh-huh. And they are an international uh, waters rescue organization uh-huh. based out of Germany. And they go on these missions to save people who are lost at sea, who have just been um, kicked out of countries, if you will. And then they just have these people until an open border will allow them to die. Mm. Okay, that's what we're dealing with here. So yeah. this woman, um, she 40, 40 migrants. They were on like a raft thing wow. um, just out in the middle of the ocean. And some of them had actually spoken and were saying that they didn't think that they were going to live. Um, and just getting one another out of the boat after 17 days. You imagine these people were out there in the wow. sun with no food, no water, no anything. So, oh my I, God. I mean, what was she supposed to do? Yeah. You know, even for her own safety. I mean, you can't be at yeah. sea forever. But what what would you do in this situation? I don't know. But like. Rock and roll girl, like Carolina, superhero. Yeah, and I mean, I, yeah, I honestly like I. She made the right choice, and it's a. uh, I guess it's a. Is it like if you were if you were I don't know what else she could have done? She would have just like floated at sea for another like like, lack of action. Is talking to the coast guard. I'm sure she's in communication. Yeah, you know, while she's trying to get back and forth. But if, if it's a moment of life or death, you know, do you just wait for a country to say we'll take you? Um. I I mean that's what that's what Trump's trying to set up like that's like I mean this is we have a giant crisis like a crisis international like all different people like populations all different countries yeah where things like this are happening I mean humanitarian crises are exactly yeah. that yeah you know what I mean it's yeah. life or death for these people you would think that states and governments would be on the side that air for safety for yeah. humanity I mean the politics does matter I understand that mm-hmm. but almost is, is it wrong for me to expect them to handle it once they get to the shore mm-hmm. like can mm-hmm. we just get these people out of the boat can we just get them water get and them food? safe yeah. you know and then we'll figure that part out is yeah. it, it does does what, what what matters most to you right well it's you know? the powers that be trying to keep control on a situation that is not controllable in that way right like this is these are people's lives and like whatever artificial borders we have set up like it's not worth killing people over i mean it's about safety yeah um so i just you know hats off to her i think that she and this organization sea watch um Mm -hmm. it's a really great organization obviously these are the people you don't hear about the everyday Mm -hmm. heroes that just you know organizations to set up for to handle these type of things but i'm sorry if i'm out in ocean somewhere Mm mm-hmm Please save my ass, okay? <laughs> yeah. Take me wherever you can, yeah. um, and I will figure it out. Yeah. But, um, you know, just like really, people, yeah. I, I just, you know, I hope she doesn't face 10 years. I'm sure wow. that they will have some sort of, you know, defense up for her for this organization. Oh, hopefully. They have to have these policies in place when things like this happen, but. Yeah, or or maybe even the fact that she's German might, you know, might be there's be some EU. Connection, right? Yeah, something God, that'll no help. Brexit. in other news but yeah yeah um so you know captain carolina keep doing it girl yeah um yeah so moving on Cool. So people are just protesting everywhere in this day and age, right? This is like a thing. I feel like we talk about protests every week. Yeah. Um. So and the environmentalists, they're like pretty radical today. Yeah. Uh, last week we Scary were talking times. about we're living them. In radical times. Um, you know when they were in coal mines, and this week they're walking yeah. through the streets of Madrid. Um. So yeah, thousands of protesters flooded the streets of Madrid on Saturday to oppose a newly elected conservative mayor's decision to reverse car pollution restrictions. Jose Luis Martinez Almeida. 
who took office only on June 15th, mm. um, has provoked an outcry in the country by suspending a ban on most patrol and diesel cars in Madrid. The policy, the original policy, aimed to ensure that the city compiled, uh, complied with the EU's clean air rules. In a heat wave conditions this past weekend, mm. demonstrators took to the street in the capital, calling on the mayor to reinstate the ban. Mm-hmm. Looks like everyone's got a heat wave, which is right. It's just scary. Hot. It's just hot right now. Like you I know, know Paris, it's like a hundred degrees right now Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah, and this this has like been going on for last time. I or for a long time. I went to Europe last year mm-hmm. uh, in August, and it was a heat wave for like two weeks when mm-hmm. I arrived. Yeah. Um. So it's starting early. Yeah. But um, about this mayor though. Yeah. I um, mean, why would why why are we turning back? I don't. It's legislation that's supposed to help us not kill us all. It's. Uh, I don't know. I I'm mean, just so tired. Teresa. <laughs> I'm tired just too, girl. So tired. But this is the news, people. I know. This is what's this happening. Is what's happening. Um, okay. It's. It's. I mean, Trump. It's. It's. I. Mean, I can only <laughs> assume that there's some connection, some there? financial reasoning, or some uh, somebody in his ear, some lobbyists, um, somebody saying like, you know, oh, it's too hard. We must, you know, it's got to be easier. Blah blah blah. I mean, it, and that's why people protest. Protesting works. I mean. As, yeah. as the people who are being protested against always are like, oh, shut up, blah, blah, blah. But um, what else are you going to do? A lot of actual change happens when people stand up and say, you can't do this. Um, you know, like has stopped legislation from happening. I know the um, there was going to be this huge abortion ban in Poland a few years ago and all the women just didn't go to work that day. And the government was like, OK, never mind. So right. this it, it works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but With it's this mayor. Oh, come like, on, and dude. Like, who elected the mayor? I'm not. <laughs> You're right, right. It, yeah. Um, and you know, or what positions did he get elected on? Was a, you know, it might have been something he probably might have, didn't even talk about this at all. But exactly, you there know, he and is. this this makes you wonder, like you know, pre-election, um, what's what is happening behind those closed doors? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then this is a this is someone who obviously is you know new to this circle or not, which mm-hmm. we don't know. But I feel like the people are in a uproar. And I mean, I got to give it to them. I'm not sure if I would be out there in mm-hmm. the heat blazing like this. But this is them taking back their democracy or at least trying to stand as a people. Um, I really yeah. hope that he listens to them. I mean, something yeah. that's supposed to actually move in the in a forward direction mm-hmm. um, around these policies does not need to be overturned. Maybe adjusted or we can have f- future well, discussions. But I know. seriously. I mean, we need what we need is more we to actually make a difference. We need even more aggressive policies. But yeah. it's always so frightening to see people who aren't even willing to take the first step. It's like, oh, come on. Like, yeah. we can solve this if people would just, like, put take, their heads together. Exactly. And take, you know, think about the like the real future, you know? Yeah. OK, so before we go, I got to talk about this story. All right. Could it be that the OK, I was about to say something really mean <laughs> that, the, that the guy who makes us all upset finally doing something nice for Aww. a difference. What's going on here? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, President Trump made history this weekend in an area of diplomacy by becoming the first sitting U.S. president to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un at the demarcation line between North and South Korea. The two leaders met in a demilitarized zone and held a private talks and agreed to set up negotiation teams to continue discussions. Uh, Trump also held a working lunch and a joint news conference with South Korean President Moon Jae in the capital of Seoul this weekend as well. All right. So what do you think fueled this change um, between the nations? I I don't know. Um, but I think, I mean, it's, it's, watching everything that's been happening with Trump and um, Kim Jong-un from the beginning has been very interesting. Yeah. Um, but someone who 
we, uh, someone who I look at as being unstable, meeting with someone else who <laughs> also seems to be unstable. at least how they're represented to me and everything I've ever read or heard. And, but the fact and like who makes the other one seem more or less unstable has been very interesting to watch. Um, but it, I mean, Trump's been able to, to get farther than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, something, something has to be said for him, you know, this whole yeah. the optics of him crossing the demarcation line. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Is that because he wasn't welcome to fly through North Korea? So he had to go in through the bottom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know this is really simple, but the <laughs> idea that they're actually meeting on the line. Right. Some of the um, stories that I read talked about the dialogue between them. And he's like, oh, I didn't expect to meet you here. Ha ha ha. And it's they like, made jokes. What? <laughs> what? They made jokes. <laughs> I don't know who's funnier with that joke. Um, right. You know, he did say it was his pleasure and that he to, you know, make such a significant move towards diplomacy that, um, you know, the fact that they are yeah. talking is obviously a good thing. We right. hope. Uh, we want to have more diplomacy than um, what happened last week with yeah. us almost going to war no. um, without any diplomacy, yeah. <laughs> so, for lack of better words. So um, let's see what happens. Yeah, I Interesting mean, place yeah, two we're, I mean, it's the thing where, you know, we're it's scary to have a country that seems so impenetrable, have weapons that are potentially so like, you know, catastrophic, um, i.e. North Korea. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean, it's good that we're trying to use diplomacy here um at the same time that i don't know i don't know what the goal is for anyone i've heard i've heard north korea at this point and whether it's you know because they did they like show made a show of being open to this sort of thing earlier and then backed out and then got more aggressive and then now they're here again so it's a lot of is it a, you know is there a deeper strategy in play um yeah. i mean at the end of the day my understanding of the situation from um, those with some political knowledge is is that like you know North Korea is building up its arsenal with the hope of getting on the main stage and the like a level playing field, right? Like, yeah, I, I, you got to hope that they know that if they ever actually use those weapons, they'll be wiped off the face of the earth. Like, you know, by I don't know, not that that's ugh, I don't know. Well, it just makes me talks. feel whenever I feel like oh we're we're gonna get nuked by. <laughs> North Korea, whenever I'm having a panic attack, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> wow. Well, you got to do what works, right? Yeah. But there's even talks of him coming to New York or coming to, to coming to the U.S. Wow. Um, which was what I read in, not New York specifically. But hey, come right. on through. Not um, D.C., I would, I would guess. <laughs> but yeah, there was talks of him possibly coming wow. um, here. I don't know if this is a political ploy to just kind of give us something yeah. to talk about during this crazy time. But um, wouldn't that be the day? That would be the um, day. Definitely something interesting that they... Definitely talked about this being a demilitarized zone, yeah. um, you know, so the boys can play, you know, safe in the sandbox. Feels so weird, like being <laughs> fake sexist <laughs> to men in that way. But I am happy that they are sh sounding like they want to share their toys. <laughs> um, but yeah, All right. I think that's about it for our show that's this week. That's about it. We um, made it through, him. We did it, Teresa. Girls Day. <laughs> Girls Day during World, World Pride. Exactly. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening, everybody. This has been Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. You, you can catch all of our shows on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org or on the Radio Free Brooklyn app. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we didn't coordinate who would say what Teresa you can finish it out you okay it. okay because we also have one last song we're going to close out with um, listen up next for some more independent Brooklyn media see you next week um, and closing out the show will be one of my favorite songs or one of my favorite bands um, Andrew and Drag by the Magnetic Fields happy pride everybody happy pride see ya
Pine away forevermore for Andrew and Greg. 